You're listening to Hilltop History with your hosts, JJ and Al. Meet the people who make history come alive at Fort Henry National Historic Site. Join us as we explore 19th century garrison life, drums, guns, and secrets past. So polish your boots, shine your buttons, and let's begin. Welcome to another episode of Hilltop History. I'm Al. And I'm JJ. And I have very exciting news. Fort Henry is officially back open. Yeah, it's so amazing. You can now visit Fort Henry and enjoy self-guided tours and meet Fort Henry guard along the way. Following proper physical distancing and hand hygiene, of course, it's so amazing to see the fort's gates open once again. Absolutely. So Al, today's episode has a lot to do with discipline. So I have to ask you, did you ever get in trouble when you were a kid? Well, you know, most kids do, but I don't think I did any more than normal. I most often got in trouble for fighting with my younger brother, Graham. (laughs) You know, that's what brothers do. Uh, But now we're great friends. Oh, well, that's good. That's what matters. I got in trouble a lot because I never came in the house. I was, I'd miss dinner sometimes because I'd just be out playing with the neighbors until dark. We lived out in the country. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, as a Fort Henry guard, you're not in trouble that much, unless you're in your first year as a new recruit, of course. Uh, Everyone is held accountable by their superiors. The fort is usually filled with drill instructors. They're known as the guard seniors, and they're yelling orders and corrections all day long to the rank and file. And it's the new recruits who usually make the most mistakes. It's part of the interpretive historic military environment in which Fort Henry trains the Fort Henry Guard. And here to talk about just how intense that can be, is Ensign Jeff McPherson, Fort Henry Guard, number 2306. Welcome, Jeff. Thanks, Al. We're we're so glad to have you here to talk about uh, discipline in the Fort Henry Guard. Absolutely. Jeff, our first question for you today is, what made you want to join the Fort Henry Guard? Well, primarily it was my dad. So my dad was a guard back in the 80s, um, and he has a lot of very close friends who were also in the guard. And they always had these hilarious stories about times in the guard. And they always talked about, you know, those amazing summers. And he always had this photo of the full guard, you know, the drums, the artillery and the squad all together above his workbench. And so I always kind of grew up thinking that was an awesome thing to do, you know. And then uh, when I was going to university and making my, you know, selections, um, you know, looking at Queen's University it was definitely a factor in my coming to, uh, to Kingston. So obviously I go to Queen's University uh, for history. And I've absolutely loved history ever since I was about eight years old. Um, so being able to come to a job where I get to deal with history every day is incredible. And then, you know, getting to fire guns and cans and stuff, that's all gravy on top. It's phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Great. Um, the camaraderie and being outdoors and everything too, it just must be incredible. Oh yeah. I mean, it's an incredible group of people. And I knew that coming in cause I'd met my dad's friends. So I knew it was, you know, some exceptional people I'd be able to work with. Um, and then, of course, like you said, I mean, getting exercise, being outdoors in the summer, it's way better than any office job, so. Great. So what's your Fort Henry Guard story? Tell us that. Okay, so I, I guess I, 2017 was my first year. So, you know, you go, 
you get hired, you meet Alex and Mark and you get absolutely fired up. I mean, I was exhilarated coming out of that interview when they told me I was going to have a position um, and you enter as a rookie. And so <laughs> the first day, as is always the case, was an absolute disaster. Um, you know, I got a picture of me in uniform with my, uh, you know, everything was wrong. Like my jacket was completely over my belt, which, you know, for the listeners is not where it's supposed to be. Um, you know, did every single command wrong. I, they couldn't remember my name for the first day, so I didn't get yelled at too much. And then, you know, they caught on pretty quick and boom, it was off to the races. Um, but I, I like to imagine I, you know, progressed pretty quickly. And that was an unbelievable year. I mean, the U.S. Marines came. Um, we had great Lance Corporals and our Sergeant Major was Rombo, who's, you know, pretty legendary. Um, and then I won Rookie of the Year at the end of the year. It was an absolutely amazing year full of great memories. And I was so hyped for second year. So I came back on my uh, second year and I, you know, was still a private, but, you know, there's kind of two years of private in the guard. There's the rookies and then there's the, you know, older marchers. And so you kind of know what you're doing. You're coming in all confident. Uh, and we had a second year of Marines. Um, our Sergeant Major was Bergeron and he pushed us really hard. But, you know, that was the best drill squad I was in, you know, in my time at Fort Henry by far. Um, phenomenal year. And that year I was nominated for three awards. Lost two to Michael Bryanton, though, one of my, uh, my peers. <laughs> and then um, came back in my third year as an NCO, uh, probably the most difficult year, just, you know, adapting to the challenges of leadership. Um, but again, like very productive, constructive year. And as always, a great time with great people. And then. Well, this year I'm back for my fourth year as an ensign, which is very different, but it's you know very exciting so far. It's a very good year. Great, thanks, Jeff. Uh, so at Fort Henry, uh, back in the 1800s, tell us what the basic routine of a private would be. So, you know, what would they do? You know, starting in the morning, throughout the day, and then at, uh, at night. Well, really, their whole day was just built around preparation for the inevitability of combat, as they saw it. So you'd wake up to Reveille. Um, there'd be a morning inspection. You have to make your room super tidy. So when the officer comes through, um, he doesn't find anything in disorder. Then you'd have your first meal of the day. And then you'd just be manning the fort, whether that means drilling to prepare for combat, um, whether that means standing sentry, watching for enemies approaching, uh, whether that means performing duties around the fort to make sure it's all prepared. That was your day. Um, and it was split up by meals. You did have lunch and dinner, obviously, but um, really it was all just about making sure that you were prepared for any potential invasion that could happen at any minute. And what kind of things did the British army do to keep the soldiers in line, to make sure that they were doing their work and that the fort was you know, uh, well defended in case of an enemy attack? Well, there are a variety of penalties and punishments um, and remedial actions the British could take uh, that really focused on three main uh, elements of the punishment, which was the rehabilitation, a denunciation, and deterrence of the act. So the British, if they want to punish a soldier, if they weren't performing the duty, wanted to fix the soldier. They didn't want the soldier to be an issue in the future. Um, so there are little punishments that wouldn't harm the soldier too much or completely destroy the soldier as, you know, a beating or a shooting would. Um, they could have them do little tasks around the fort. They could have them perform things like shot drill, which is essentially carrying cannonballs to the straight arms and straight legs, certain distances. Uh, they could throw them in the garrison cells, so keep them imprisoned for a certain number of days. Um, those are kind of the little minor ones. And then, of course, you could force them to do um, forced marches or runs, 
things like that. Just little little punishments to kind of you know give them a slap on the wrist or kind of a physical penalty for what they did. Then you get to the more serious crimes. So more severe punishments uh, could include you know either execution or deportation. Um, so in the former case, soldiers could be shot. This was very uncommon at the time. It wouldn't come back into favor until World War One due to obviously dire circumstances. Uh, they could also be hanged. So you know, obviously hung from the neck until dead. Um, deportation was probably a bit more common. You'd be sent to a penal colony. So at the time, that would have been Van Diemen's Land, which is modern-day Tasmania. Um, you'd be sent there to work out a sentence away from British public and, you know, proper society. Um, and one really weird punishment that was, you know, not super common, but which happened frequently was um, the Rogue's March. So a soldier would have his crime hung around his neck and he would be paraded in front of the entire force at the fort. Um, and a little drummer boy would follow him along playing a song called the Rogue's March. And when they reached the threshold of the fort, the gateway, the drummer boy would have to kick him in the butt over the threshold. And he was then, you know, exiled from the army. Um, so a wide variety of punishments the British could, you know, wield against their soldiers, trying to make them more effective or to just, you know, remove them from the military. Um, kind of as a deterrent to other soldiers. Yeah, and I heard that, uh, you know, for desertion, they would do something called branding. What was that all about? Yeah, so if a soldier deserted, um, they could, you know, have a hot iron um, forced against their skin to create a little mark. Um, could be their forehead, usually, I believe. Well, that is brutal. So I guess they really didn't want anyone to desert the British Army back then. No, and if you desert, I mean, you know, it, there's a deterrent effect of that, I meaning you have a permanent scar, obviously. So now wherever you go, um, people are going to know you're a deserter. It's kind of public shaming. Um, you know, and it was very effective. I mean, you definitely did not want that black mark on you. It made you harder to find a job if you ever left the military. Um, and while in the military, if you continued in the military at the time, which was unusual, um, you know, huge mark of shame. Especially if it was branded on the forehead, it's very hard to hide unless you wear a hat all the time. <laughs> wow. So how does the Fort Henry Guard of today keep discipline in the ranks? Well, it's, it's very different. Um, and really, you know, the remedial actions the Fort Henry Guard takes have two elements to them. There's the interpretive element and the remedial element. And the interpretive element is we are interpreting the lives of soldiers at the fort. So, you know, even if we weren't, you know, taking remedial action against people for not being disciplined enough, we would still be doing it. Um, so that means, you know, shining brass in the fort as a punishment. That means like doing force drill just individually. That's stuff we would be doing even if it wasn't a punishment. The remedial action comes into play when, you know, we expect a very high standard of our guardsmen. Um, you need to have a little bit of a slap on the wrist for guard when they do things like, you know, if they're not shaven, if their buttons are tarnished, if their uniform's incorrect, uh, or if they do a really key part of drill wrong. Um, so that's, that's what the remedial action does. It's just a little bit of, okay, you've done something wrong. Here's a slap on the wrist. You don't want that again. You know, so just shine your buttons. It's not that hard. Um, but it, it is strictly rehabilitatory. Um, every punishment is designed to make the guard a better guard. So for example, if you do a drill sequence wrong, the remedial action assigned for that um, act is a drill sequence. So you'd be taken out in your ones check with battle gear on 
and march around by sergeant major and you will probably repeat the drill movement you messed up on again and again and again um the idea being if you keep messing this up and you lag behind the rest of the guard then they have to address it during training periods and that brings the rest of the guard down because then we're you know kind of sticking to your level of progression and we can't necessarily just go along with the slowest learner why is discipline such an important part of being in the Fort Henry Guard, you know, I'm sure it's key in not only training, but daily operation. Absolutely. I mean, you know, we hold ourselves to a very high standard um, and we are performing exhibition drill, which is something that, you know, not a lot of civilian groups do. And you know, we want to be world-class. We want to maintain the reputation we have. So, I mean, if there's no punishments for not shining your buttons or not shining your boots, then, you know, if you don't, necessarily care to a certain degree at some point in the summer like maybe there's a you have a bad week um you don't want that guard who's kind of lost some of the motivation temporarily to bring down the rest of the guard like when we're standing during an inspection and everybody's buttons are kind of presented to the crowd one person's buttons are tarnished i mean that reflects poorly on the whole guard it brings down the standard um and really you know has a negative effect on the performance as a whole so you can't help that um, and we're very lucky to have a lot of incredible, very motivated, talented people. Um, but you know, just in the off chance, they need a little extra motivation in addition to the, the accolades and the success that comes with being the Fort Henry guard. Um, that punishment has a very motivational, um, effect. Now let's talk personally. Why is it important to you? Um, well, <laughs> to a certain extent, I think it's, it's kind of fun. Um, cause my dad always talked about his remedials, you know? like running around the parade with his right over his head. Um, so, you know, when I'm, you know, standing in front of a brass goat pen door, shining it with Brasso and my fatigues, Lenz and Murphy is just, you know, staring at me disapprovingly. Like it's, you know, it's, it's part of the experience, you know, being a guardsman, you all get remedials. I don't think there's a single person who's never got one, you know, so it's, it's kind of the, the guard tradition and culture and experience, but also having been an NCO, you can definitely see, you know, the mechanisms at play. It's a very important part of being a guard, not only wanting to achieve, but also maintaining discipline at every second, because you know if it slips below the standard expectation, you could wind up, you know, on a manning day, shining brass for about an hour. So it's, it's very helpful to NCOs and seniors alike to have that kind of, you know, tool in their back pocket, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Uh, so it sounds like you, uh, have a very special place in your heart for Fort Henry. So tell us a little bit about what you love about the guard and Fort Henry. Oh, definitely the people. The people are my favorite part of the fort. Um, we have an unbelievable amount of, you know, incredibly talented, smart, kind people in the guard. Um, and it's, you know, a really tough job, but I, as I tell everybody, I mean, we could be, you know, running a baking class. We could be a sports team. We could be anything. What the Fort Henry Guard is, is a team of people who really want to succeed at what they do um, with people who know how to help them succeed and work tirelessly to ensure that that goal is realized. And just being in that environment is incredible. It's something I really, you know, I couldn't imagine not having gone through. You know, you learn so much from other people and there's so many leadership styles and types of people you meet along the way. And, you know, you're all working towards a common goal. It's really, it's a really intoxicating um, culture. And I've heard you had a little rivalry through your years in the guard with yeah. uh, uh, a private uh, Michael Bryanton. 
I'm sure others would argue. Not many, though. I think Michael Bryant is probably the best guard I've ever seen. Um, he's obviously on the Queen's rowing team. He's a chiseled Adonis of a man, and he's tough to compete against. So he, uh, yeah, he in my rookie year, we were kind of competing for spots in the, you know, the front rank. It's a position of honor in the drill squad. Um, we ended up both being in the front rank for the U.S. Marines Joint Ceremonial Show, and then we were both nominated for the Rookie of the uh, Year Award, and I won my rookie year. And then in my old boy year, we were both nominated for the Artillery and Drill Squad Award, and he won both. And it was, it's funny because he's such a nice guy, and I always felt like we had a very good relationship. Um, but we push each other so hard, and that's kind of what you love about the fort. It's um, these people who are simultaneously your peers and people you're competing against, but you're all supporting each other. Um, and I don't know about Bryant, and I think he would have been great no matter what, but uh, he definitely pushed me to try to be better just because, you know, when he's at such a high level, if I want to be as good as I can be, I want to try to compete with him. So, you know, in being better than me and continuously progressing ahead of me, he kind of dragged me along with him. Probably one of the most special relationships I had in all my time at the fort. Oh, that's so awesome. Thanks for sharing that story, Jeff. Uh, and, you know, kind of conversely, uh, what are some challenges you faced while being in the Guard? I think my biggest challenge was stepping into a leadership role when in my third year I was promoted to Lance Corporal, which is essentially, you know, kind of a smaller leader within the Guard. So you have your officers and your ICs, you know, the people who are in charge of you, you know, the Sergeant Major, the Color Sergeant, and then, you know, the NCOs, the Lance Corporals, are guys who are still marching in the squad, and they're still in the locker room with everybody. But, you know, they also have a training um, responsibility, and they are allowed to give tips and corrections. And, you know, they are often tasked with yelling at people. I mean, they walk on the square, watch the squad go around, you know, pick out things, yell at people, um, correct mistakes. Yeah, so it's, it's tough to have marched in the drill squad for two years, probably, you know, alongside the people you're, you know, still working with as an NCO, suddenly you're in charge of them and there's a power dynamic there. Um, and you have to balance both the expectations of the squad and the expectations of your you know, superiors. Um, it's really tough. And obviously, I mean, we had difficulties that year in particular because Bergeron, who, you know, he pushed us very hard, but he was probably the best sergeant major I've had. Um, you know, he was coming into a second year there and then he left us for the, the army. Um, so we were working with one um, color sergeant for most of the year. Um, you know, and we as NCOs had to step up and it was tough. It was a very tough year, but at the end of the day, you just have to rationalize the fact that you're there to perform a certain role. And the squad expects you to perform that role. And uh, the color sergeant needed us to fill that role. But you know, at the end of the day, it's very rewarding, you know, to be placed with that much responsibility in a leadership position that important. Um, yeah, I'd have to say that's the biggest challenge, but I do like to imagine that the NCOs and I, you know, we pulled through at the end of the year um, and we met our own standards and hopefully the standards of the guard. And with those challenges come an immaculate product. <laughs> so, you know, have you had visitors mistake Fort Henry Guard for a military unit? because of how precise and, and hardworking and impressive the, the performances are? Yeah, yeah. I, I can only speculate as to their you know, reasons for thinking that, but absolutely. I mean, that's a classic joke amongst the Guard is everybody thinks we're from RMC. 
like everybody, oh, so are you guys from RMC? Are you guys like military or just cadets or, you know, it's like, no, we are university student civilians who come here as a summer job kind of thing. Um, absolutely, they do. What are the main reasons why you believe that there may be that mistake? Um, well, I think, you know, to a certain degree, RMC and Fort Henry both stem from a British mili military tradition. So people visiting Canada might see the red coats worn at RMC and see the red coats we wear and, you know, stick them together because, of course, we're just up the hill from RMC. Um, but also, you know, obviously we work really hard. And that kind of shocks people when they come up and realize, you know, oh, geez, these are just civilians. You know, college students who are in music or history or, you know, politics or, you know, engineering, what have you at just random universities. And then during the summer, they march their absolute hearts out for four months. And you know, obviously being an exhibition drill team, we try to go for that very high standard, as I've mentioned, probably way too many times. <laughs> uh, you know, when visitors come to look at the Fort Henry Garden, we're doing all that drill and we're, you know, carrying the guns, the bayonets, and, you know, it looks very earnest and serious, which it is. Um, and they naturally go to, okay, these people, you know, must be trained, you know, more than a civilian reenactment group would be. And they're right, because we are not reenactors. We are trained specifically for drill purposes, um, as well as interpretation purposes. But when they see the drill, you know, we are doing that for real. That's Fort Henry Guard drill. Um, you know, a lot of it's modified away from the British military drill. You're not doing the crack step and everything. So it's our own thing. And we look, I like to think, pretty good. So, um, you know, I think a lot of people, you know, don't quite understand why we do it. Um, they don't realize how much we love it and, you know, the camaraderie and the um, joy, you know, people get out of the guard. So I think that's, that's probably a big part of it. It's kind of, you know, the uniforms mixed with just our performance, I'd like to imagine at least. Absolutely. It's so awesome to hear how passionate you are about it. And it's amazing that, uh, you know, you, you sound like you're very good at your job and you love it. And I hope you have a great season. Thank you very much for your time, Jeff. Thank you very much. Yeah, it's been a pleasure speaking with you today. And the Fort Henry Guard is so lucky to have you uh, at the, as one of the Guard seniors. And your dedication truly makes the Guard stronger. Well done in your time at Fort Henry. You should be very proud. Thanks, Alex. And visitors can come and see you now at the fort. We're so happy that Fort Henry has safely opened with modified programming. Yeah, the tourism industry is one of many who were hit hard by the COVID-19 pandemic. But following the provincial guidelines, the St. Lawrence Parks Commission and its staff have worked very hard to reopen uh, their sites. They're also in with the St. Lawrence Parks Commission, parks and campgrounds. There's a marina, Upper Canada Golf Course, and the other living history site, Upper Canada Village. Thanks, Al. Yes, we'll have to make sure to visit all of the places. And next episode, we'll be diving into some wild facts about health and disease at Fort Henry. What it was like then, it sure is a lot different now. Looking forward to learning more about that. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. This is JJ and Al, standing down.